I felt such secondhand embarrassment when at the end Kitty was trying to explain to the servant like yeah I'm totally gonna be naked in this room like waiting for him so like we're totally gonna have sex so like go away yeah <laughs> like so embarrassed for her and it was to the butler too <laughs> he's probably like oh god And welcome back to another episode of Romancing the Monsters. I'm M. Hi, I'm S. I'm Seth. And this week we read uh, My Darling Duke by Stacey Reed. It's a historical romance um, with a scarred hero, Beauty and the Beast-esque. Seth, what is this book about? All right. Well, we start off uh, with the story with a girl named Kitty or Catherine. Um, she was by Kitty. Um, who's with her friends at a ball, and they're all sick and tired of being looked over, and um, just they're just wallflowers. And they vow to do whatever wicked thing they can do to ensure their own happiness, and so they dub themselves the sinful wallflowers. But anyways, it's, we start off with Kitty, and she's our first sinful wallflower. Um, and she comes up with a plan to pretend to be engaged uh, to the recluse Duke of Thornton, who hasn't been in London for years. Um, and he doesn't even respond to rumors in the papers about him. So basically, everyone just thinks he's MIA and just does not care. He lives in Scotland. Everyone knows he lives in Scotland, but he does not come to London. Um, and then in Scotland, he hears of his supposed engagement to Catherine. And he orders his team of lawyers to give her a carriage and horses for transport because he's also really intrigued by her and like everything he's been reading about in the the papers and the gossip magazines and things like that and he decides that he's gonna go to London and um see his own fiance for himself uh and Catherine or Kitty I guess does not in a million years think that she would ever see the Duke because as I said he really doesn't respond to any rumors and no one even hears anything about him um, so she is literally <laughs> so shocked and scared when she uh, sees him for the first time. Um, and then we also see him or read about him and what he looks like. And, um, of course, he's wearing a mask because he's covering his scars. Very Phantom of the Opera-esque of him. Yes! His mask really, like, screamed Phantom of the Opera. I thought about you when I read that. <laughs> I was like, Seth is going <laughs> to love this. I was dying. Um, anyways, yeah, he's very scarred on his face. A lot of his skin's gone. Um, and also he has a lot of stiffness in his body. So, like, he uses a wheelchair sometimes and a cane the other times whenever he's able to withstand the pain a bit longer. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's the startup of their story. And he agrees to uh, the ruse of being her fiancé. Um for a while um in exchange for her going to scotland with him or coming to scotland with him for a week or two um and that's basically where the story starts and then forced proximity uh, um, i know you know stuff like that ensues 
romance. Woody banter. Um, so what did you guys think? I really loved it, as I already said on my Twitter. I enjoyed this book so much. Um, as I already yeah. said on my Twitter, as if by the time this comes out, it hasn't been, like, months. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> the tweet is gone and forgotten. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, fine. Yes, I really enjoyed this book. I loved the characters. I loved the setup of their story. I think, um, as I said, their banter was really, really good. And, like, I actually found myself laughing sometimes. And I also found myself, like, really sad about certain things, too. Because I feel like, uh, like, this book was heavy, despite it having a light overtone, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, I get it. But, yeah, I enjoyed the characters. What about you, Wes? I loved it. I really, really oh. loved it. Yeah. Um, I really loved Kitty. And then I felt like I had... Like, I related a lot to Alexander for obvious reasons. You girls know. And then not to get personal, but like, you know, him using like the wheelchair and the cane. I'm someone that uses a wheelchair and a cane. So like mm-hmm. I kind of felt his pain and his frustrations. And so I related a lot and I really loved it. Yeah, I thought that the author did quite a good job of and I don't want to say making it accessible because I kind of think that you don't you know, authors shouldn't have to, especially, you know, own voices, authors shouldn't have to mm-hmm. make their story more accessible to those who, who've who never had that as their reality, you know? And in this case, I don't know yeah. that this is, you know, that in the case of Stacey Reed, it's an own voices um, story, but, yeah. you know, the, the argument remains that this yeah. is still... Uh, you know, there's no need to make it accessible, but there is a need to tell the story respectfully. But I did think that the way that she wrote it was quite respectful in the sense that um, Alexander was allowed to just be a man, you know, like he wasn't um, defined by his disability, but it also was clearly a part of who he is and his life. And that wasn't like discarded as if you know, it's all roses and sunshine because um, it is like a huge part of who he is, but it's not all that he was allowed to be. He was still allowed to be super manly, still allowed to be dominant, whether he's in a wheelchair or standing on his own two feet. It didn't matter. And I thought that that was really, really well done um, in the book. And she made it very easy um, to transpose myself in the shoes of someone who does use a wheelchair or a cane, even though that's yeah. never been my personal yeah. reality. And yeah, while she never, you know, shies away from showing his frustrations, um, it also is never written in a way that tells me as the reader that I should be pitying him in that moment, but rather, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it makes me feel with him if that makes sense. Anyways, <laughs> long story short, um, <laughs> I really enjoyed the book. Um, I really liked the characters. I really liked their dy- dynamic. Yeah. I thought that the yeah. banter was really good in the book. Um, this was my first Stacey Reed, um, so I didn't really know what to expect, but turns out I really like her writing. I really like her stories, at least this one. Um mm-hmm. And it's, like, very sexy. <laughs> so I will definitely be checking out um, some of her other books because okay. I really, really like this one. 
Yeah. Oh, and just quickly, I have to say that when I started it, I was like, oh, God, another Beauty and the Beast <laughs> um, book for the podcast because um, we've done like four so far. And I, I, you know, I was wondering how is this going to, you know, differentiate in any way from the other ones? Um, but I was pleasantly surprised pretty much from the start, um, or I guess reassured from the start that, uh, it sounded like this was going to go in a slightly different way. And I would say that it did. So that, you know, ended up being a positive, not a negative. One big difference I think I picked up on right away was, um, Alexander's want to be part of the society. Like a want to like. Well, he wanted to it, and then he didn't. That's that was a that was a thing that was confusing to me. Because I think he thought like his happiness lies with the London Ton and like with the people there, but then he realized later on it wasn't. But I think what's different with him is that none of the heroes that we read before and out of the, the, the day of the Duchess no Duchess deal. Uh, we had wait the Black Beast of Beltair by Mary Jo Putney. We had my the Duchess deal by Tessa Dare, and then we had. Uh, Beast of Bezik by uh, Amelie Howard. Yes. Those so those books. three books differed <laughs> in the sense where they did not want to be part of London Ton or like want to like be part of the society and like mm. they feared their the rejection and all of that stuff. But like here, while people looked at him and were like, mm, he's kind of like, you know, not normal looking, I guess you could say. They, uh, they didn't really like fear him or shun him or anything like that. A lot of people wanted him to be part of like their parties and their their galas or whatever um so that part I think was different and like him wanting to be a part of it but not in the end not really caring to be a part of it I think that was a bit different. yeah in this case I I definitely agree that there is a difference between staying away because you know society yeah. tells you that they don't want to see you yeah. And that you don't belong and making the choice of like coming back and being like, you know what, I don't, I just don't think that this is for me and I would rather, you know, live away. And that's a choice and that's fine. You know, that's not something that was imposed on yeah. you. Whereas I feel like that, you know, being scared of people's opinions or views on you, like that was something that was hanging over us, I think, for the other books. And that was a question that we had. For these characters and like when they would decide to go into the London ton and that was something we didn't really like it's, it was explored in this book I think. Yeah. Um. So where do we go from here? Okay so I guess I have a little bit of a question. So we know the first time he goes into uh, he reintroduces himself to the London ton he goes with his wheelchair and he also wears a mask. So my question is why do you think he reintroduced himself the first time the way he did like instead of like because we know he's capable of walking with a cane or like I just wanted to know your thoughts on that why do you think he did that I think maybe just to kind of I don't want to say like prepare the people like to kind of show like this is me like this is I use a wheelchair I have a mask like this is what you're gonna like I'm show maybe showing like the worst of it I guess of like the situation does that make sense yeah no that makes sense I wonder if it it's not so much for the people as it is for her. Like, I wonder okay. if he was trying to make a point to her. Because in a way, she has been using him. You know, she, yeah. she used the fact that he was away. So I wonder if he wanted to show himself that way. Because he, you're right. Like, he is capable. And we know by that point in the book that he's he can walk. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. And, and I think she says something when she sees him about, like, 
how um something like he can't go down the stairs like that's yeah. what she thinks or something like yeah so she goes to him like maybe mm-hmm. that's that was his intent like i don't know if he wanted her to come to him or wanted to see what she would do or how she would react to him maybe i don't, yeah. I don't know yeah that makes sense i think it's a mixture of both i think it's he wanted to show Catherine the extent of everything and also maybe to see his her reaction sorry about that and also yeah to show this that the time this is me this is what i am like this is my life yeah or there's also the possibility that he's actually trying to show them um what they think he is as opposed to who he knows he is because you know we know that he doesn't wear the mask on the regular so technically he is putting on a a bit of a show you know like he is putting on a personality that isn't necessary or i guess a front that isn't necessarily his so whether it's you know he made that move for the people there or he made it specifically for her i do think it's kind of maybe a game for him of some sorts um yeah i I think he's kind of a complex character and he definitely throughout the book sort of puts on a different front depending on who he's with so i wouldn't find that surprising i guess Okay, so moving on from this, (laughs) I wanted to talk about something that I think is kind of a somewhat big part of the story, or at least his story as a character, and that's the fact that um, he believes he's impotent. Um, Because um, at first I got really excited because, well, first of all, it's something I've personally never read in a book, if I remember correctly. Um, But I was really excited to read a novel with a man who is potentially impotent. Sorry, impotent. I've heard it both ways. Um, And who is allowed to be a sexual being still and to have sexual urges and to be very masculine and dominant anyway. And this kind of relates to... Uh, what I was saying earlier about, you know, the fact that he has a disability. Well, this is kind of explored mm-hmm. in the same manner where he's not diminished for it. And I was really excited for that. Um, but I do wonder how you guys felt about how that was resolved. Because I also think, like, I get the whole point of why not, you know, make him happy and give him everything he wants. It's, he's a fictional character. Who cares, you know? So yeah. I... I don't know. I'm kind of like in the middle on that issue of like the fact that by the end he can have sex. Probably not as often as someone who hasn't um, had the injuries that he's had, but you know, still. I think um, at the end, Catherine says that they have sex at least once or twice a week or something. Yeah, and then he can give her a child, which was something yeah. else that he didn't think he could. Yeah. Um, so, how did you guys feel about that choice but i think it kind of played into like i'm just thinking about like what the doctors would tell him like he wasn't able to walk and he wasn't able to do a lot of things and and they kind of gave his like their opinions and that kind of like when someone tells you something that you can't do it kind of it it stays with you you know Mm -hmm. and i feel like that affects you with life um so i'm i'm seeing it as 
where they told him, okay, so I'm, I'm seeing it as where they told him he's impotent. Impotent? impotent? I don't know. I, I've um, heard it both ways. Like I said, impotent, impotent. Impotent? I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> so they told him he's, you know, he, for the past 10 years, he didn't have any, anybody to be sexual mm-hmm. with or, you know, he didn't even try. Um, I mean, I think he did try. He did. His cousins brought in prostitutes yeah. or whatever. And I oh. do think that they say at some point, and it's an interesting take on why this could be. Um, they they told him something along the lines of like, your body was still healing. Yeah. So that yeah. was part of it. And I, it got me thinking, when your body goes through something as traumatic as what he went through, Yes, your body is healing, but I was thinking your mind is also healing. Like, emotionally, you have to heal as well. And so, and kind of, I was like, okay, so it kind of made sense on on that front of, like, going, well, emotionally, you just weren't there. Like, you just weren't ready for that. And that's completely understandable because you, I mean you know, being sexual is something that involves your body. And so it makes sense that when your body goes through changes like that, it would sort of reshape how you see yourself, you know, and and how you interact with your body or, you know, so I was like, okay, so on that front, I can see it. And it's something that's interesting. It's the the book doesn't say so. They just talk about like the body healing, but it, it got me thinking like, yeah, your mind does heal, like does need to heal as well. No, and I agree with that. I feel like that was in there for you to actually realize the extent of his recovery process and like, how how absorbed he was in his like I, I think we can call it depression he was like really oh yeah you know he was like bedridden and he was taking drugs to like also like help with the pain but also like self-medicate and he got addicted to drugs as well and I feel like that all that happened in like the span of 10 years and imagine like being you know shown prostitutes or whatever and like you still don't have full Um, control of your body or you can't really move in the way that you want to move because he was very active I remember he was like called a rake or whatever beforehand and Mm -hmm. that was 10 years ago and like now he can barely even lift a like lift a leg and I think it's just for him it was more like mind over matter or something like that I just feel like um he thought he was impotent because of the 10 years that had passed and like the doctors also thought and like research obviously wasn't you know as apparent as it was now it's not as something like it's not something that's done um back then as it was now and I I don't think the doctors were as aware of like the body and like what they the capacity that they have for certain things and I'm not making sense right now but what I'm trying to say is um the doctors themselves, I don't think, were aware of him and, mm-hmm. like, everything that was going on within him. But I, I don't know. Yeah. I thought it resolved really well. I thought it was believable for me. Hmm. Not that I've ever experienced something like that. Like, I don't know. Like, these are these were situations that I've never experienced for myself, obviously. As readers, we come across many situations like that. Um, but I f- hmm. still felt, like, as I was reading it, that it was a believable res- resolution. So is the reason why you're asking is because you kind of expected a different ending for them? It's mostly just because the beginning of the book kind of had me expecting something different that I feel we don't see that often in historical romance, but romance period, really. Uh, you know, because we romanticize yeah. men <laughs> a lot in romance. 
And we sexualized them a lot. And so I was just excited by this portrayal mm-hmm. of a man who is both impotent and very manly men. I don't, I, I was scared that this book would fall into the trope of like, you know, it's kind of similar with like infertility, for example, where, uh, where you have this character who is infertile and they know this. And yet, by the end of the novel, by some miracle, they can suddenly have babies. And I do think that the criticism could be true in this case, and that it might apply of, like, the magically cured. But I also feel like the whole perspective of your mind also has to heal and your mind has a lot to do with sexual desire and such and if you've gone through something that completely rewired how you see your body I I think it makes it believable in that sense because it is true there's many reasons why someone might Mm -hmm. have trouble uh you know, being sexually aroused, it doesn't necessarily has to have to be something medical per se. It can be something like a mental blockage of some sort, a trauma, whatever it may be. So, you know, I like to keep in mind that that's a possibility. Um, so that's why I'm not like knocking this book for for that reason because I do think it made it made a point of at least showing us readers why it could be as opposed to just being like oh turns out you were wrong all this time which turns out he was wrong all this time but also there was an intelligent believable reason at the end of it all okay that yeah i think makes it all better and makes me think okay i can get behind this And just to quickly add, I do think it's interesting that by himself, he was never, never able to get aroused, but with her, he could, which I think kind of adds to this whole idea of it's a mental, emotional blockage more than anything that relates to him towards himself, first Mm -hmm. and foremost, and how he feels about himself, perhaps. And with her, those blockages blockages is that a word um kind of fall you know because when he does finally try to you know uh jerk the meat or whatever you call it um the what (laughs) (laughs) he just like that was when him and kitty pleasure (laughs) there you go when he's (laughs) yeah anyways when he's trying to pleasure himself shut up he, uh, him and Kitty weren't on good terms. So, yeah, I think it was an emotional thing at that point because that was the first and only time he tried to pleasure himself. Should we talk about that? The, uh, what happens to them and their, their, their fight? Well, yeah, so the first time that they get frisky, he, um, unfortunately gets injured again, I guess, you know, something flares up. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember if it's his leg or his back, potentially. I think it was the lower back. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So, obviously, that puts a, a damper uh, on their um, friskiness. At least on his part. She she was, you know, she was, she was being great. She was like, oh, is this fine? Like, we could figure this out. And he was like, yeah. I absolutely cannot get over this. 
Yeah. Um. So he he did what what you know <coughs> all heroes do in these books, and it's to push her away. Yeah. To tell her, pack your bags, <laughs> go. And he did it in the way that really hurt. It started with them agreeing yes to go to Scotland together, but he also said um, he'll only send her back once he's no longer intrigued by her. And he yeah. said to her that I'm bored. You can go now, or something like that. He's such an asshole. Sometimes. Like that. I know it was such an asshole move. I'm bored. <laughs> like, jeez. <laughs> yeah, I kind of wish she had stayed and just annoyed the crap out of him. Just stay and just, you know, make your point. Say, I'm not going anywhere, you asshole. But I like yeah. that she was like, you know what? Enough of this shit. I'm gone. Yeah. Like, I love that she was like, she had enough. I don't know what the word is. Dignant? No, not dignity. I guess you could say that. Or like, she knows her self-worth in the sense where she knew that she deserved more than like him hating on her, calling her like names and like just saying that he's bored with her. Like, she honestly was like, no, I'm not going to sit around and be humiliated and like hated on. I'm gone. And I love that she made that decision because it's so yeah. unheard of, I think, in romance books. Like like you said, the women usually go running back or uh, they go, I don't know, like they end up staying or like try to rationalize things. Whereas Kitty knew what she deserved and she knew what she was worth and she's like, mm-mm, nuh-uh. Though I will say that I kind of expected him to go for her. I did too. Well, he was going to go. Well, he was going to go, and then she came back and was like, girl, no, wait for him. It's his turn. I know. Like, he's got to make the move. He was taking his sweet-ass time. Yeah. He's got to make the move. But I still love that it was still on her terms, though. And what what was up with those letters at the end? I was like, boy, bye. Like, you're just just being (laughs) annoying. Like, no one cares. Okay? Bring your ass or, like, don't bring anything at all. (laughs) Like... But there was a purpose, right, to the letters? Yeah, those stupid letters. Like, I love blue fat flowers. My favorite color is orange or whatever. I was like, shut up, boy. (laughs) And and I love how she was giving him the bare minimum. Yeah. Like, I was dying. I know I shouldn't have been laughing then, but I was laughing. Anyways, going back to her going back. How did you feel about her decisions and how she decided to meet with a a Prussian princess, Prussian... However you say it. How do you say it, Marge? Prussian? Prussian? Was she Prussian? There you go. Yeah. Uh, a princess who's in exile. Um, and apparently she knows the ways, um, you know. Yeah, of a courtesan <laughs> somehow. Yeah. Wasn't um, she a virgin or something It was like kind of unclear. It was, was like, oh, she knows the ways of a courtesan, but she's a princess. So, like, and she's a virgin. that she's a virgin but i don't know there was something she said she was okay well she did say that but like who are you hanging out with is the question like i want her book (laughs) um (laughs) yeah um so yeah she literally learns uh how to seduce her man and then she decides to do it i guess i expected it to i guess end a little differently like i expected him to go over there with you know, to follow yeah. her. But um, I can't really say, I mean, it happened. and Yeah, I feel like that's exa- exactly it. Like, it happened. <laughs> like, yeah. it just, I really feel like it was his, he, he, he had to be the one to make the grand gesture, and he didn't. That kind of left me like, eh. 
you know? I mean, it was fine, yeah. but, like, I really wish it was him, you know? Like, he yeah. had gone mm-hmm. there, put his ass in the carriage, drove his ass to London and been like, I love you. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Because <laughs> he has, like, yeah. some southern accent. All of a sudden, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Alas, it did not happen that way. What did you think, Seth, then? Okay, so for me, I liked Mm -hmm. it because, like I said earlier, it was still on her terms and it was what she Mm -hmm. wanted and how, like, it's the way she wanted to go about it. Yeah, so for him, I agree. I think he should have been the one to make the big grand gesture. But I also think we need to look at his mental state and where he was because at that point, he literally started back at zero. He was in a wheelchair. He couldn't really stand up for long, if at all. He thought he knew that she deserved more. Well, he thought that she deserved more. And he still, despite it all, was still going to go to London to get her. And, of course, that was going to happen the day after she arrived. And, you know, everything was already organized. Everything was ready to go because, like, obviously he needed to have a carriage and other things like that because he's not able to probably ride the horse as well as he did before. Um, so I still think his grand gesture was there in the sense where everything was ready to go and he did he was the first one to express his feelings for her and he was the first one to say things about their relationship and like he was the first to say he loved her um so it was there um and i i enjoyed the way their sex happened as well because it was still her control why does that sound so weird i love the way their sex happened (laughs) I said it, and then I was like, shit, I didn't mean it like that. I don't know why. I, I have the mind of a 12-year-old today, clearly. No. He jerked his meat. I didn't meat. mean it like that. And then the sex happened. You ruined it. Thank you. I mean, I feel like, I feel I like in a talking. way, you could say that his grand gesture came afterwards when he... Um, when they traveled all over the world like that in a way you could tell like it's not easy for him like you know he doesn't have his doctors with him which clearly have been with him for like 10 years um you know he's going away from his house which we all know he prefers to be at so like he did do that for her you know they're traveling all over the place because he knew exactly something she wanted so so you know it it just happened after which is fine I'll take it. I just wished it happened a little before. No, I mean, I think it happened right when it should. Like, I don't know. I thought this book was well, like, the events were well-placed, I think, for me. Mm-hmm. I like that it happened, of course, yes, on their honeymoon, but also when they were both kind of, like, unequal grounds in terms of, like, their emotional level, if that makes sense. And for me... My question is, do you think she was fair in the sense where knowing where he was at that point, um, asking him to go on, like, a world tour with her, knowing that, like, obviously, like, we're not going to read about the pain he's in every night, like, the pain of, like, the struggle of traveling all the time and, like, always being on the move, like... Do you think that was fair? And she wouldn't. He wouldn't have his doctors with him, as you said, Marge. I mean, I, I, I think I it know. is fair in the sense that he's a grown ass man, and he was like, "Let's go on a vacation, babe." And he did. Like, true. That's his, he knew that's it. Yeah. Decision. He knew he, I don't think like capacity. it's fair in the sense that like he can make his own decision, and if he was like, "I can do this," then he true. can do it. Period. Yeah. True. <laughs> so like. That's true. 
Just, yeah. God damn it, man. <laughs> Put your ass, your ass in a carriage and drive to London. You know, instead of sending those. <laughs> oh my god. Letters that are dumb. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. That's, that's my gripe with this book. <laughs> The letters, I mean, that was never resolved. I mean, like, that was him trying to reach out, I think. But then, like, and I think that really mirrors, like, you know those conversations you have with random guys that are like, uh, yeah. where is this going? This kind of felt like that. Well, I mean, you don't want that when the relationship <laughs> is, like, established. <laughs> well, yeah, but also it kind of, like I said, they're all on, like, yeah. level zero, if that's a level. Um, the relationship mm-hmm. was at the beginning again, like... He was at the beginning again. Like, she was building herself back up mm-hmm. from, like, that heartbreak. Um, but wasn't it because, yeah. um, didn't she tell, like, the papers, like, wasn't she interviewed and she's like, oh, he always writes me letters and stuff? So that was kind of his way of, like, that was the purpose of the letters? It could be. I know she said that it was, like, that's how the relationship started, but... Uh, anyway, what did you guys think of the the whole thing with, um... Uh, when there was like the storm and the carriage and the the pond or whatever when they fell through or that scene was intense. I was and I was like imagining how cold it was and I was dying. Yeah. yeah. I liked it. I, I thought it was really good in the sense where you saw like Alexander and his element, haha, <laughs> pun intended. He was very capable. Like I, yeah. I loved how it established that, like, yeah, he has some days where you know that would have never been possible. But exactly. Then he has days where, like, mm-hmm. heck yeah, he can go in there and like he will save his friend because, you know, like I, I think that's like really cool to see. And like she went in there to help him, which mm-hmm. was great. Um, and then it led to like what two days like one no, night it was only two it days was one in night. that cottage which th- i have another gripe with that i was like bitch is like r- like rummaging through things that are not hers i was like yeah, well he said he'd put it back to order well i mean she was like stealing clothes and food and i was like these are poor poor people like why are you stealing I'm, her shit i'm pretty sure alexander would you know Restock I know they everything. put it back, but like I was just as if I if it were me, if it were my house, I, you do not touch my shit. I don't care. <laughs> like well, yeah. you're gonna have to ask for permission because she was like putting on that woman's nighty. Like that's personal. Yeah. No. I mean, I guess he. I don't know. I just see it as he was. He was probably gonna be more than generous with them in that cottage and like giving them everything else that they didn't have um and even if they did have it he'd probably you know give them that too um but no I feel like the the whole storm thing was really important for um Kitty to see that he the his servants meant more to him because George was you know was it his butler or just a servant I don't remember or his valet I don't remember anyways he was someone working in the house but like over time, that became Alexander's family. And I don't know, I thought it was really important to see. And like later on in the cottage, when George leaves him alone because he like wants him to be alone, um, and he's like trekking through like the rain and the mud to like give them their time alone. I felt such secondhand embarrassment when at the end Kitty was trying to explain to the servant, like, yeah, I'm totally going to be naked in this room, like waiting for him. So, like, we're totally going to have sex. So, like, go away. <laughs> Yeah, like, so embarrassed for her. 
And it was to the butler, too. Yeah. <laughs> He's probably like, oh, gosh. Like, can you make sure no one comes by? Because I want to be real loud. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't talk about the forks. Forced proximity, though, in the well, cottage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. just talked yeah, yeah. about the food and the clothes. How did you feel about them sharing a bed? That annoyed me, all right? But, like, yes, okay, let's talk about the forced proximity. What did you think? It was sexy, that whole scene. I felt like it was sexy. I loved it. The audio, um, or I don't know, maybe, I don't know if you read it on ebook. I did the audio, I don't too. I if you guys read it on ebook. Yeah. Um, it, I felt like it was, like, more the way she, like, spoke. Like, she whispered. I feel like she whispered. But she whispered throughout the whole book. That really annoyed me. I was like, can yeah. you, like, up your level a little bit? Like, it was like... Oh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, can you... Act? Like, it felt like she was embarrassed to read what she was reading. I was like, can you actually speak out loud? <laughs> yeah, I had to turn up my speed in order for me to kind of, like, capture everything she was saying. But it was sexy. I, I mean, I I like I like the scene. Um, her her voice worked in those scenes. <laughs> Everywhere else, it yeah. was a little weird. But like, um, I I loved it. Their forced proximity, them sharing a bed, and I thought it was just like, I just love Kitty because like she just knew what she wanted and she chased after it. She like I, I love how she was the one that initiated the kiss, and like he kept goading her and like, you know, trying to get her angry, and he's like, mm, that was not a kiss. That was a slobber. He was a jerk. And then, like, they're, I don't know, I just felt like their kiss was so cute. I have a confession to make. Yes. I am not a fan of forced proximity in historical romance. Really? I love it in any genre. I just love, well, in anything else, I do. But in historical romance, I just love the rules that apply when you're around people too much like I love how everything is like suddenly forbidden that I'm not a fan of like when it's forced proximity and like usually there's no one else there obviously yeah um then like all those rules don't apply anymore and it's like kind of like we can be as wild as we want tonight (laughs) because no one will know (laughs) I'm like oh no but I love how like I just love when they can't do everything they want and like the angst of that you know okay so that's fair but it was it was fine like I wasn't bored or anything but like if you give me the choice I would rather know forced proximity in my historical romance hmm. that's it I love it in any genre on any day <laughs> fine so so that's question it. did you how did you feel about her going with him to Scotland without a a chaperone yeah that was a bit odd for me that was a bit odd yeah like how and like the mom was like okay like like do what you gotta do like I felt like the mom was okay with it right like go be a little hoe it's okay yeah the mom was a little mm, for me because that would not have happened well what was the mom doing (laughs) first of all what was the mom doing well the mom was busy with the season with the other daughters well, Kitty is over there, there literally chaperone. sacrificing herself and, like, making up lies because this mother, I don't know what she's doing, but she's not doing what she should be doing. Like, she could have married oh, yeah. again, perhaps. But, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Well, maybe she was past the marrying age. Like, how old was their mom? So Kitty was, like, in her, like, childhood when her dad died. Like, nine, I think she said. I don't remember. Anyways, but yeah, her mom could have remarried. 
I mean, there's always going to be a grumpy old man somewhere who just doesn't want to take care of the estate or whatever, and he wants a wife to take care of it, period. True. She could have married one of those. Mm. For the money. Do it for the money. <laughs> but the whole idea was Kitty, she saw her parents and their love, right? And, like, she wanted that. And I think it was the whole, like... I guess we can argue, like, in Bridgerton, the mom. She never wanted to remarry either because she had this epic love with the dad. And I just think it's the same situation. Of but course, they weren't poor. <laughs> they had no need for money. That's my. That's the thing. It's like, that is, that because is you fair. don't want to be do the responsible thing, your eldest daughter now has to do the responsible thing. And, like, in doing so, she that creates a ruse that, in my opinion, I'm like, that could be very iffy. Like, you're using someone. And the fact mm-hmm. that they're not there to get things off of them and like there was money involved like that is he bought her a house (laughs) unknowingly (laughs) i know that's kind of iffy and it's like well the mom maybe could have remarried or maybe she could have like tried and married off the eldest or something i don't know she is the eldest well yeah exactly she never tried to marry off kitty did she well because no one wanted her that's why she was a wallflower she was like past the marrying age too at 23 marge she has like four daughters seasons marge she had no one wanted her daughters We didn't see her first season, her second season. We don't know what it was like. Maybe the mom was pushing her off to men and, like, the mom were like, hell no. We don't know. Listeners, Marge has um, a look of judgment on her face right now. Anyways. (laughs) I'm just saying the mom was weirdly absent. I agree. But I think it was um, for the story, for their story to progress. But that's weird, right? Like, that's. That's not usually something that happens in historical romances where the mom's like, okay, go with him. No, it never happens like that. Or, like, she would send, like, a, the, I don't know, a governess or just someone. Yeah. Of some sort of adult figure would be sent. You're not, I mean, let's be real. She would never come back with, like, a reputation in order. It'd be in shambles. She just spent two weeks with um, an unmarried man. But they said that she went somewhere else, though. That's the thing. She went to go visit an aunt or something. So no one knew besides her mother. And But didn't the mom, like, confess to, like, a friend or something? To his aunt, aunt, I think. Oh, was it was his aunt. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, besides that, yes, that was a big (laughs) question mark I had. Okay, so we've had two of the similar books that we've read had um like the men ended up being ended up being scarred because of the war and then now two of them it's because of a fire in which they tried to save people and they ended up being burnt i say that first of all we cannot read another one of these no we have to find (laughs) another one that does not have a scarred hero we have to find something else but but i will say we we should try and find a scarred heroine because I Ooh. feel like that would make a a nice difference. But also, I wonder, because, like, they were all sort of similar. But obviously, the gap, like, the it's so unequal between men and women at this time that I'd be yeah. curious to see how they would, en- like, handle a woman being scarred and, like, how, like, the repercussions of that on a woman because, obviously they were seen as objects and so yeah. 
like a man could still have he, like he still had his properties and his money and everything but like for a woman like you had to be married off so like that's true i wonder how that would be treated in the story and i can't really think of anything i mean i know it exists i know they're out there we just there has to, to be books them, on but, it, like about it yeah but i think it could be interesting to contrast a woman that's scarred as opposed to a man that's scarred in this time period for sure i agree I don't know. We have to go searching. We have to go searching. But I would be I would be down for that. All right. Are we ready to go into the monster of the story? Sure. What do you think the monster of the story is? Um, I didn't have a monster for uh, Kitty. But I think for Alexander, his monster is refusing to like live his life to the mm. fullest. There was a quote that he said at the end where he tells her, um, he's like, I had been looking at you, me, us, through the lens of the impossible, of the impossibility, when I should have looked at what was possible. So I don't know. So I think I, his monster is him just holding back from just living his life and letting her in. I think there's a lot of things for him. Um, I mean, I have a plenty of quotes. Uh, <laughs> I feel like, well, first of all, one of them is, I think, loneliness. Mm -hmm. I do think he talks about feeling quite lonely. Um, he says at one point, um, oh, I can't find it now, but uh, he talks about how he's lonely and, and like he's always thought he enjoyed it, but also does he type of thing? Like, mm -hmm. does he enjoy the loneliness? I mean, we've talked at length before about like how um loneliness is like very comfortable sometimes and you exactly. don't realize how it's holding you back yeah um so i definitely mm -hmm. think there was some of that for him um there was also like a a sort of um dependence on medication for him he talks about let me just try to find that one yeah he says for some time opm was my best friend yeah hashish was my lover Lendon Lendonum was uh, my brother and we got together often in my despair. Mm -hmm. um, and then he says something like to her, like, I with you, I want to be present, you know, because he was sort of, I guess, because of his pain, more so emotional, I think. Like, I, I obviously he was taking the drugs for the physical pain, but I do think it was more to do with his emotional pain of like trying to just escape into yeah. some like dream realm, you know, and, and not really deal with what was going on. Mm -hmm. um, and he, he actually tells her that at one point, like you make me want to be present. You make me want to like live as opposed to just exist and dream and like, be caught up in my own mind type of thing and like for that he makes that decision um to stop taking the drugs and like get off of it because of his sister penny um because she begged him to like you know be a part of her life but then like yeah, you said right. he only started living because mm -hmm. of um kitty and like what they had um and then there's another quote um where he says um alexander acknowledged then that this was the very reason he had waited almost two weeks after Dr. Grant's suggestion of self-ministration to tempt his cock to rise. Fear of failure. Alexander ached quite desperately to bring into existence the future he envisioned with Katerin. Katerin? Katerin? Katerin is another series. <laughs> Wrong series, right? Um, 
traveling the world, making love with her, but most of all, the laughter, the, the sweet way she smiled, her bold vivacity for life that would sweep away the, the emptiness he had lived with for so long. So yeah, we talked about the, the, the fact that he couldn't quite, um, you know, masturbate, but... Get it up. He, he did wait quite a long time to, to, to do it. And I, I was wondering, I was like, okay, so y- your doctor told you you should try it out and then he doesn't. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's interesting. So I loved how it came back because I, like, again, it plays into the whole, like, it's it's an emotional wound yeah. more so than physical. Mm-hmm. And he was scared that it would fail. And then mm-hmm. it does fail, but it doesn't actually fail for the reason that he thinks it does. Yeah, um, exactly. Which, you know, is is important. What did you think, Seth? Um, for me, I thought um, his monster had, like, two sides for me. So, yeah, I agree. Like, loneliness was one that I also had, but, it, like, you already talked about it. Um, but for me, it was, like, his belief that people only felt pity when, you know, he's around. He lost Kitty because of that. He lost a lot of friends because of that, despite I'm pretty sure his friends reaching out. He even says himself that it was him that didn't reach back to his friends. Yeah, I, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, and then we also experienced that with Penny and his cousin, um, who we didn't talk about. <laughs> um, and they were living away from him, like, from a distance, despite living in the same house. They wanted to be a part of his life. They wanted him to be a part of their life. But he thought all they felt was pity and not compassion or love or empathy or whatever. He just didn't want their pity. And I have a quote for that. If, oh, you do? You okay, share one. it. <laughs> okay. Um, so he says, I think she says, um, I believe people look away because it is uncomfortable to gaze upon another's pain when it is bare for the world to see. Mm-hmm. How do they relate? or offer words of compassion when they truly cannot understand your pain. It would seem pretentious to say the least, and they are aware of it, and thus mm-hmm. become flummox- flummoxed? 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 <laughs> flummoxed? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. Um, and perhaps act like fools. You are one of the most handsome men of my acquaintance. Aww. Um. So she says that to him, because yeah. I think he... I think he thinks like you said that it's like oh i'm ugly or whatever but the truth is like it's it, it is uncomfortable to 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 yeah. look at someone else in pain yeah. and not not know what to do or how to express what you feel without exactly what you said looking like you pity them which is not the case no and i think his cousin even talks about it when um alex wakes up in his room after you know the incident and Alexander tries to get out of the bed and then his cousin goes quickly to go and catch him and then like Alexander is like stop like don't even try and like his cousin was like it's not because I'm I pity you it's because I love you and Mm -hmm. it's like it's so heartbreaking because you see his family trying to reach out and try to be helpful and like try to be there for him but he just feels pity and like not pity he thinks that they feel pity and Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and, like, so it goes hand in hand with, what, like, another thing I picked up on is, like, his desire to want to do things by himself because he wants to try to get back mm-hmm. to a sort of But I don't necessarily normal. think that that's a monster. I I feel like that's one it, of his – it's, like, both a strength and yeah, um, that's what I, something yeah, that's I holding that. him back at times because it's, like yeah. – 
let yourself be helped when you need it. Like you need to be able to say, I need help right now, which like his pride does make it difficult for him to say that sometimes. But I do Mm -hmm. think it's also a strength in some places where it's like, no, he can do it. No, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, For him, I think closer to the beginning, um, it causes him to do uh, things that necessarily, you know, he wouldn't do if he had asked for help or it caused him more pain um, because of his desire to, um, quote unquote, appear as he was before. It pushed him, you know, into more pain. And yeah. to basically start building himself, building himself back up from the bottom again. Um, so I think it goes hand in hand with like everyone, like him thinking everyone feels pity for him. Um, with him wanting to do things by himself, everything by himself. And I think he needed to realize, which I think later on he does after that discussion with his cousin and his sister, um, that people do want to be there for him. And he has... A family and he has support hmm. I think one of my favorite lines of the book or like my favorite one of my favorite moments is um when they actually have sex for the first time he says only my doctors have seen me um he leaned in and placed his forehead against hers I want you to and then she says my darling thank you for trusting me and I just mm-hmm. love that so much like thank mm-hmm. you for trusting me and showing me something that I don't think he's afraid of it. I just think, like, in, in a way, because of his emotional um, blockage, if you will. Um, yeah. Like, I get how, like, that has become something that, like, not worries him. But, like, I don't know how to explain it. But I think it was just, like, really beautiful of him yeah. to say, like, I, this, this has sort of become, like, a medical thing. You know what I mean? Like, I guess that's kind of what he's saying. Like, I'm being looked at by my doctor, like, constantly, and no one else has seen it yeah. since. But I want you to, and I want this to mm-hmm. become something else. I want my body to go back to being something that's not just something for doctors to look at, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and for her to say, like, thank you for trusting me, because, yeah, you know, like, I, it does take trust, and it's, like, a really beautiful thing. Yeah, I think they were really sweet, and, like, I don't know, I they just were. loved them. Yeah. Loved them. Did any of you have a monster for Kitty? I felt like she was harder to find a monster for. Like, if I'm being picky, or, like, nitpicky, I, like, it's not even a monster, but it was something I think we should highlight, um, was her selflessness, um it's not like it's not a monster at all um it's she only got into this whole fake engagement thing because she wanted to ensure a good future for her sisters so she obviously fakes this engagement but like she pushes her own happiness aside for her family full well knowing that she'll be ruined um when this engagement ends and like when it becomes known to society that you know she's not engaged anymore um she basically is ruined she would be ruined um and she doesn't even let herself really dream um and she doesn't start, I guess, expressing what her dreams are until Alexander pushes her to, like, say, what do you dream of? Um, we don't really know about it until she says that she wants to travel. I always feel weird when the female characters don't really have a monster because I do feel like everyone should. Yeah. But, like, when that sort of thing is, like, not that obvious in the book, I'm like maybe she was made to be a little bit too perfect and maybe that's why I, I don't know about you guys but I never identified with her in any way okay. 
I don't know if I identified with her. I more so understood her with, like, wanting to ensure everyone around her was happy. When you have a character like Alexander, you have to have someone that's just as... She's kind of just there. <laughs> like, it's just, what what does she have going on? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, yeah. she, she did have... I mean, we talked about her mom and the fact that, like, her mom should have been the one to, uh, you know, be responsible for this family. So, like, that in a way is, like, you know, she, it, shouldn't have, it shouldn't have to be her. Um, so, like, I'm not saying, like, she's, you know, not doing shit and just sitting on her ass and not doing anything. But I just, I kind of, like, I always feel weird when they don't really have a monster that's like clear i don't know i feel like her character i don't think she was perfect but i also don't think she had a monster that was stopping her from her happiness i think i love that as a woman she knew her self-worth like i said before and she knew when to get out when to get out and i love that and i love seeing that and i think as females i think other readers and other females should be able to, you know, read that and, you know, acknowledge her strength. And I think that's something that a lot of women in our world struggle with, like knowing when to get out or knowing when to, you know, say enough is enough. Um, I don't know. And I like that she still took the reins in the end. Like she knew that, you know, she wasn't done with Alexander and she wanted to be with him. So she took the reins. And I, I don't know. I thought she was, she wasn't a perfect character, but I really can't find her monster but it, it didn't stop me from enjoying her character and understanding her and empathizing with her. I almost, this is making me almost wish her reputation had been ruined. Because then I feel like it would have made for like some interesting angst and like interesting uh, conflict of like, well, what the hell do I do now type of thing. Like, I'm ruined. I'm back in London. He thinks I'm boring. <laughs> But then I think that would, that's just, like you said, it'd be unnecessary, not unnecessary angst. You didn't say that. You said it would be angst. But I think in my head, it would be unnecessary. Because, like, then would she struggle with the idea of, oh, is he only marrying me because my reputation is ruined? Okay, but it could also, like, make for an interesting moment where she's like, my reputation is ruined, fine. But I still consider myself, um, you know, worthy true i don't know know. like i i was just i was i guess what i'm trying to say is like i was looking for some sort of conflict on her end because he had his and she had hers with him but then like just her besides the whole like oh i gotta marry off my sisters which happened within the first three chapters or whatnot like her sisters were set just because of the fake engagement so it's like well what's going forward what do you have going on on your end that is making me feel for you that makes me want you to have your happiness you know i think this author really focused on alexander as a character and his journey Mm -hmm. um and like you said, I think Kitty was just like, an, not an accessory, I hate saying that, but she, it wasn't her journey to go on, it was his. It was his journey that we read about. And she went with him, if that makes sense. Like she, yes. She was on this journey with him. Yes. I get that. that. I'm just a little picky. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the drama, all right? It still had drama. I was still very much enthralled. I was still very much, you know... Tearing up at one point, laughing in the other Mm -hmm. moment. I don't know. I enjoyed it overall, as I already said. 
I just had a thought. Is that why she went to go learn like all that sexual stuff was because he called her boring? No, I think it's she just didn't know how to seduce a man at all because, you know, like when would she ever ever had exposure to that? Can I admit something? <laughs> In the very beginning of the book, I was like, "All right, so is this going to be a strap-on kind of book?" <laughs> <laughs> I was fully expecting them to make, like, an appearance. Well, yeah, the, you know, the dildo she was holding. Well, I mean, yes, but I meant, like, a full-on strap-on for him. No, I really thought the dildo was going to come into play. Yeah. Because, you know, they talked about it, and she didn't know what she was holding, and he knew what she was holding, and... Yeah, that was weird. It was just mentioned, and I was like, is she holding a literal, actual dildo? And then, yeah, but then that never flourished into anything so yeah damn i actually think about that now and i now i wanted a scene with that i don't know yeah. maybe homegirl just went back to london and uh, had fun <laughs> i don't know because she didn't know what it was so yeah Anywho. what did you think s do you think she went to learn more because she thought he she believed that she was boring? Well, that just, I don't know, just the explanation that Marge was saying, and she brought up, like, her being boring. It just that just popped into my head. Like, did she go learn all those sexual things? So that she won't kinda... be boring? Oh, my God. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. That's like, what that's, she thought. I don't know. That just popped into my head right now. Because that just paints the whole thing in, like, a different light, I feel like. I didn't see it that way, but but like, she clearly oof. said she only went because she didn't know how to seduce a man. But I'm pretty sure <laughs> Miss uh, Princess of Prussia, Prussia or whatever uh, taught her things that you know. You know. I mean, I just I, I thought she went there because she wanted to know how to pleasure a man, especially one who believes himself to be important. Important. Yeah. But with what S is saying, there's also a possibility that she went because she thought she was boring and she wanted to not be boring anymore, which is like, ooh, <laughs> yikes. <laughs> you know? I mean, oh, man. I mean, if a guy were to tell you, like, oh, you're boring, like, you you bore me already, like, wouldn't that kind of, like, plant a seed in your head? Like, fuck, I got to do something to not be boring. <laughs> got to go see a bunch of prostitutes just to learn. <laughs> no, that's, a, that's something that I think should have been addressed. I don't, because being called boring would hurt. Yeah. Well, fuck you. You're right. That Listen, that's what he should have said when he put his ass in the goddamn carriage, drove himself to London and told her, you are not boring. That's what he yeah. should have said. <laughs> did he? No. I mean, I no, think, he, he in, uh, you know, in other words, he did say that she wasn't. In what but words, Seth? In what that's, words? That's yeah, my thing. I'm words? like, it was said, but I can't pick out the sentence, which I think is not good. You should remember that. I feel like if we all remember the line where he t- he says she's boring as fuck, we should all remember the line where he says, never mind. <laughs> I agree. So. I agree. Anyway, I have a question. Yes, let's hear mm. it. So... Now that we've read four books that are more or less sort of similar, if you had to be dropped into the plot of any of those books oh, and you become the heroine of it, which would you choose out of the four? Oh, 
Well, it's three for me, right? Because I well, didn't yeah. read. Oh, yeah, yeah, you didn't read Beast of Bezek. So we have The Beast of Bezek, just as a reminder. The Beast of Bezek by Emily Howard. We have The Black Beast of Belter by Mary Jo Putney. We have The Duchess Deal by Tessa Dare. And we have this one, My Darling Duke by Stacey Reed. Which would you choose? Would you choose Thane? Would you choose, um, oh, what were the other names? <laughs> Would you choose Ash? Is that his name? Yes, Ash, Ash Falconer. I don't know Falconer, what his real name then... was. Who's Ash? James. I think is his it... name was Ash James. Ash was the Duchess. The day of the Duchess. The Duchess deal. Duchess deal. I gotta go there back to go. my notes. <laughs> I think I think his name was James from the Black. James. Yes, James was his name. Or uh, this guy, Alexander. If I remember correctly, I don't think anyone is going to pick the Black Beast of Beltair because we all said that that life seemed boring. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, that wasn't even a contender for me. Um, I enjoyed the story, like I said, but yeah, 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 yeah. the life would be boring. The, yeah. Um, okay. For me, it's between Ash and Alexander, and I have to make my decision. Because I felt like both were very witty and funny, and I feel like we would have good conversations. I'm surprised Thane is not, is like so easily discarded for you. Because you loved Thane more than I did. I loved Thane, I know, but it's just, I don't know. I just. Oh, oh, can I just mention that no asses or lips were particularly mentioned in this? Oh! Book? I'm mm-hmm, just saying. Mm-hmm. I were? object. <laughs> oh, okay. In this book, I made um I wanted to make sure I like I paid attention. Okay. They did mention his lips. His lips were his ass was not mentioned. His lips were, his lips were mentioned. They I remember her saying that they were nice looking, but he had a scar like it like went into his lips. For uh, our listeners that do not understand what we're talking about, uh, we just noticed a pattern in these sort of books with you know heavily scarred heroes where. You know, they're heavily, heavily scarred, but somehow they have the nicest butt, butt you could possibly think of or the nicest lips. Um, and they're always mentioned. And so I wasn't paying attention this time around, so I figured it was mentioned. But apparently the lips were mentioned. No butts, though. Mm-hmm. No butts, though. So, all right. All right. Um, as you go. Hey, you did not. You, you didn't choose anyone. I Was I supposed to go first? I was just thinking aloud. All right. Yes. Go, Seth. Go, go, go. <laughs> go, go Marge, go. you asked the question. I'm not, I'm not even answer. thinking. <laughs> I'm not even thinking. <laughs> um, and you have to explain why, huh? This is not just a... You have to have reasons why you pick... Damn, okay. Let someone. me do some research. God damn it. I don't know, Marge. <sighs> but now I re- reread my review for Beast of Bezik. <laughs> you really love that book. I did. Do I have to choose or can I just fake faint and be like, bring no, my smelling salts? You can't. I, I Okay, I can I can give you my answer. All right. I will probably regret it. I feel like purely if we're talking like purely physically, I think I would say Thane. Why? Because he, he has a nice ass and lips. He to be the hottest of all of them. But, but, I but think I'm going to go with, I think I'm going to go with Ash because, first of all, he was the most, um, 
you know, he had a good uh, stamina. <laughs> and, um, you know, he, he liked to get it going. And uh, um, also, you know, if I'm to become the heroine, then uh, what was her name? Was it Emma? No. Emma. Was it Emma? Emma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, she was a dressmaker. And growing up, I wanted to make dresses. So I'm like, that makes the most sense to me. Because I'd be doing something I always wanted to do. And like, Ash is like a pretty good choice. So that's, that's, if I could get Thane, but be Emma, that'd be like the perfect scenario for me. But also, I feel like Emma has a circle of friends, whereas the, what was her name? The girl from Beast of Bezik, she didn't have friends, really, from what I can remember anyway. She had her sister. So, you know, I just, I, that's my choice. I'd be dropped into the Duchess deal. All right. Um, I think I have my answer as well. Um, okay. My answer would be Alexander. Okay. That being said, I mean, I feel like I would struggle in some situations, but this man has a gigantic library, and we all know I love to read. <laughs> and, you know. <laughs> the library is always a thing for you. <laughs> I can't get over it. I love, yeah, I just realized that as I said it. The libraries, you know, if a man tells me they have a library, I'm there. They all have massive libraries, though. I know, but, like, this Thane one... had a massive library. The Falconer had a massive library. They all I do. know, but this one, I feel like it was highlighted. Um, And he also has, like, a collection of, like, interesting, like, objects. And, like, he loves to travel. And one of my big things is I want to travel. And so having a travel buddy who's equally as passionate about traveling... Um, would be amazing, um, for one. And, you know, we would be, like, going crazy about the same things. Like, you know, he went to Egypt. I would love to go to Egypt. I would just love to travel. And, yeah, just having that travel buddy with you would be amazing. And plus, he's hot. And, you know, it sucks. You know, he can't, you know, all the time. But, I mean, realistically speaking, if we're traveling, (laughs) we won't really have the time or, like, the energy. You know, traveling is a very tiring thing um that being said she also had a great (laughs) shut up i'm not rambling she had a great set of friends she had a great set of friends as well so like i wouldn't be lacking in the friendship department as well like they seem very supportive so that's why i decide you know to be dropped into my darling duke world um yeah for the traveling and the books I just love how I'm like, so it'd be the Duchess deal because um, Ash fucks a lot. <laughs> Meanwhile, Seth is like, the library and the traveling. <laughs> but also, I just need to add that also another reason why I'd be picking Ash is because he lives in London. I would not want to be living away oh, in some like. See, I've always wanted you know, to go to Scotland. I just, I just, I would want to be where the fun is at, you know? Yeah. And then come home to my hubby and just have sex all over the but place. But okay. the thing with Alexander is he won't, like, say no. I think he would still go to balls and things like that if that's what you wanted. He was still going to go so with Penny. That's so far away. He lives in Scotland. That's, like, two weeks away. Not really. It's a few days away. Oh, 
I just Ash lives in the city. That's that's where I want to no. be. I'm not. And a I just feel girl. like you know Alexander would be like he's funny and like they're all funny though. <laughs> true. They all Ash was pretty humor. funny. They are. All right, S. You've had enough thinking time. They all blend in together, so I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, the Falconer was the bald one that looked like Abraham Lincoln, so I feel like I scratch that one. <laughs> so, is he the one that went to go scare her? No, dad? that was um, Ash. Okay, then Ash. Is he the <laughs> one that defends her, right? Defends the dad? Yeah. I mean, defends her makes, from the dad? Makes the dad think, like, scares him? think he's the devil. He's yeah. a ghost? Yeah, him. Him. All right. And he accepted her without a toe, right? Yes. It. Yeah. Well, S and okay. I are fighting over a husband, apparently. Well, I'm going to be with yeah, Alexander so. on a beach, so. I can't believe you didn't pick Thane. That really, like, that's a plot twist to me. Really? I love, yeah. okay. I love I feel Thane. like he's, I do. he's got, to, he's like at a disadvantage because it's been so long compared to I the I think others. that could be it as well. But I also feel like. We wouldn't really mesh well in terms of like our hobbies. I love him as a character, and you I don't want to throw teacups with... at a wall all day long. <laughs> this man collects like ancient play like... golf with teacups. Actually, no, he doesn't. That was his dad's collection. <laughs> but like, what did like what did he do? Like, what was his hobbies? I'm trying to remember, and like none of he them stood out. He took a lot of baths and threw teacups and was just yeah. really angry most of the time. Yeah, whereas, like, I felt like Alexander was a very fleshed-out character. We knew his likes, we knew his dislikes, we knew his passions. I would want to dress yeah. up and go terrorize the town with Ash. That would be great, <laughs> We are the yes. monsters yeah. of Mayfair. <laughs> yes. All right. All right. Well, that was my question. I'm glad that was a great we question. all um, figured out an answer. Even though us and I are apparently fighting over a husband now, which... When are we not? I won't fight you, Marge. I won't fart you. It's fine. <laughs> All right. Are we done? Any last yes. thoughts? No? All no. right. Well, thanks for joining us today for another episode of Romancing the Monsters. This one was on My Darling Duke by Stacey Reed. Um, if you want to follow us on social media, um, you can find us on Twitter at the RTM pod, as well as on Instagram at romancing the monsters podcast. You can also email us if you want to at romancing the monsters podcast at gmail.com. And you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at foes and lovers. And you can find me us on Twitter and on Instagram at but this book. And you can find me, Saf, on both Instagram and Twitter at Pros with Woes. And you can also find Romancing the Monsters on TikTok at Romancing the Monsters Pod. We'll be having some fun things on there. Yeah. And that's it. Uh, we hope you'll join us next week. Bye. Bye.